Now it's good morning. All right. Uh, Today's scripture is John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Liz. Good morning. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm glad we can be here together this morning. Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us. That was just a, a great, that, that last part there with the harmony. Um, I'm not a musical kid. I was the one, you know, when you're doing like row, row, row your boat, and there's like, and then they're like row, 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 row. I couldn't, couldn't follow along. But uh, I was so blessed. I was awesome by that, uh, Peter and Ashley and, uh, and Dana and Matt. It was, yeah, that was cool. So uh, as I said, my name's Dave. I do want to let you know out of the gates, if you're new or you've never heard me, me preach um, before, that I have a stutter. It kind of comes in and out as, as I go. And so I just want to make sure you know what that is. Um, again, uh, up front, so you're not trying to figure it out the whole time. It's not, don't think it's AV guys messing up. It's not hip-hop. Um, it's just, it's just a, a stutter, and there you go. It's an example, and uh, uh, we're gonna get into it here pretty, pretty quickly in John. And so, turn with me there if you have it. We're wrapping up John. We've been in this for 18 months. August 2020. Uh, there was not much going on in the world. Probably not a very memorable time. <laughs> Yeah, we, we began the book of John, and uh, I'm so thankful we've gotten to walk through this time together, being shaped by God's word, by the good news of Jesus uh, throughout this last, again, 18 or so months. So if you don't have a Bible, will you hold your hand up and keep it up? We want to make sure you have one and can follow along uh, with us. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, uh, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Uh, y si no tiene, uh, eso es un regalo a, a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Juan capítulo 21. Uh, so again, we're in John chapter 21. And if you don't own a Bible, can you keep this? Okay, we want to make sure everyone has a Bible with them to, uh, to f- follow along and to be um, shaped and, and transformed. And so with that, as we pray together, I just want to tell you... Um, out of the gates, as is, as is always the case, um, I, I come to you in, in some senses in, in fear and in, and in trembling and, and, and proclaiming to you nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And, and, and my, my prayer, our prayer, is that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, 
or the eloquence of men or the lack thereof, but, but in the power of God. So will you join me in praying that, that, that God will speak to us and shape us this morning? Father, we, we come in all kinds of different places this morning. Um, some probably had it just mapped out to come in just in time and then discovered that like half of downtown was shut down and didn't know why. And, um, and, and then or maybe that kind of just threw, they were, they were teetering and that just kind of tipped over the scales of frustration. Or Lord, others are still in the middle of, of, uh, of difficulty, hard conflicts, conversations, um, uncertainty with regard to the economy or health or so many different things. And so, um, Lord, uh, we come right now, I come kind of on our behalf, just acknowledging the, f- um, the, the futility of, of, of our long lives and the, 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 the security that, that we find in one thing and is gone uh, the next mo- moment. And so, um, Lord, we do need you. We need you to speak to us. If there are some here who don't know our need for you, I pray that you will gently but firmly reveal our need for you. And so we are hopeful and expectant that you will speak to us as we open your scriptures together. In Jesus' name, amen. He walked along the path, kind of right beside the lake, with his head down, kind of kicking some rocks and looking around. His, his brow was furrowed, in part because of the early morning sun. He was squinting a little bit. It was bright. He was thankful, though, for the warmth. He was drying off. And uh, he, he, he was also, though, squinting because that was his thinking face. He, his mind was racing. He had just experienced, in the matter of a few moments, highs and lows. Like all of us, he had grown used to, sometimes you're on mountaintops of emotion and joy and hope and peace, and other times you're in the valley of the shadow of death. It seems hopeless. You are confused and desperate, and certainly over the last week, and then even over the last couple of years, he'd grown more used to that being his life, but in the last few moments, this was his experience. He had experienced, as Keith walked us through last week, Peter, one of Jesus's closest followers, had experienced restored relationship, restored purpose, and then restored hope. So seemingly his heart began to beat with joy and excitement. He was enthused that he had been reconciled to Jesus, whom he had denied just uh, a, a, like around a week earlier. He had said he didn't even know Jesus, and then he, he ran and discovered an empty tomb, and, 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 and then now here he is in this moment he had been fishing, and then his friend John, these two kind of youngish guys, look up and they see Jesus. They interact with him and they acknowledge that's the master. 
He was dead. Now he's talking to us. And Peter, as Keith again walked us through last week, was fishing naked, which apparently was the norm at their time, and put his clothes, if you don't believe me, read a couple of verses before, but stick with me. Do that after the service. He threw some clothes on, his outer garments, and he dove in and swam up to Jesus and had an intimate conversation with him. But then at the end of that conversation, Jesus told him some really troubling news. Okay, he'd been restored. He's like, this is great. And then Jesus says, "Um, but Peter, the end of your days are not gonna be very easy. In fact, following me is not gonna be easy. You're, you've, and Jesus kind of used an image to him. He said, you've grown used to stretching your arms out at your own will to put your clothes on, right? Maybe even intentionally, he had just done that. He just put his garments on. You do what you will when you want to. Well, in the end, you're gonna have your arms stretched out against your will, almost certainly telling him you're gonna be crucified. You're going to die a painful, shameful, brutal death, which would be ripe in Peter's mind because he just saw Jesus die in that same way. And so now he's confused. So he does what really all of us do at different times in our lives. He took his eyes off Jesus. Pick up with me now in verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? So just pause there for a moment. That's John. Okay, we've seen this all throughout the book of John. John refers to himself in this way, the one whom Jesus loved. And in, in case you, like me, judge him and are like, man, what's with these humble brags and why is he so arrogant all the time? Why can't he just use his own name? Well, almost certainly John is, is, is old now. He's old and gray Right, he's lived many years. This is he's likely authoring this after Peter had already died. Most of the other disciples by this time had already died brutal, gruesome deaths because they followed Jesus. And John's looking back and he's seeing my identity. The only thing that's gotten me through my life thus far, the only thing that informs me in writing this account of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the only reason why you should listen is because John says, I'm the one who's loved by Jesus. That's his identity. So then picking back up in verse 21, right? When Peter saw him, so he's looking around and he sees John there, and he says, what about this man? What causes you to look away from Jesus? Or if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to acknowledge you and say welcome. I'm, I'm very glad you're here. You might be new to the whole Christian thing, and hopefully you see that we're not all about pomp and circumstance and pretenses. We're about looking at Jesus and then trusting that as he reveals himself and calls us, we in turn respond. So either you've never looked at Jesus, you're still looking away from Jesus, or you have looked at him, but you, like me, are a what-about-aholic, right? We all 
look away from Jesus and say, what about? What if? What about this? What about that? We look to the left. We look to the right. What about what causes you? Again, I'm asking you this question. What causes you to look away from Jesus? For some of us, it's things that we can't control, right? Ways we were born. We were born into families, into circumstances, heights, you know, whatever else it might be that we can't control, right? I will never experience jumping from my own two feet and dunking a basketball. I can use a trampoline. I've done it. I can get on someone's shoulders. You know, I've tried it. You can, whatever it is, it didn't go very well, right? You can do whatever it is, but you, there are some things we just can't control, right? Your circumstances, maybe someone left you that you didn't want them to leave you. You can't control your circumstances. For some of us, we look to the left or to the right and we say, well, what about? For others of us, it's things we've done. Right? You might be here right now and you're saying, I can't look at Jesus that cold stare. My own dad shared that actually. I didn't, he, he, one time he got to meet Billy Graham and he, and he said, I felt like he was looking through me. He said, I felt judged by him. And knowing more of the story, I, I think it was my dad's own shame that, that felt that kind of judgment. And I know from my dad, who, who I love and, and, and don't mean to dishonor, but I know even that for most of his life, in fact, other than the last few months, that was his understanding of how God was looking at him. He's like, I don't want to look at you because of what I've done. I don't know what, what you've done, who maybe you've, you've used for selfish gain, maybe brought harm toward others through words, through even just your thoughts or your actions, right? You, you might be sitting here and thinking, I look away from Jesus or I avoid him altogether because of what I've done. For some of us, it's what's been done to us, right? Again, maybe things we can't control, people that were supposed to take care of us and instead took advantage of us, right? People that in our vulnerability brought harm, um, we've said before, right, hurt people hurt people. And that doesn't justify w- whether we've harmed someone or experienced harm from someone. My guess is every one of us in this room to a person has harmed and been harmed by others, right? For some of us, it's, it's, it's the question of why me, right? Now, l- let me even break that down into a couple Category. Some of us are like, well, I, I, I don't look at Jesus because why me? Do I, do, I don't need him. I'm, I'm looking at other people. I'm comparing myself to others. And I'm like, I don't really need to look at him. I don't need to, to follow him. I, when I look at others and I compare myself to others, I'm better than most. Let me submit to you, if you look at Jesus r- rather than others, it, it will probably look a little bit differently. Right, as we look at Jesus, maybe if we're courageous enough to look at him and to consider ourselves in relation to him, then who we truly are is brought to the surface. Other, others of us, though, perhaps like John here, are, are like, we're like, why me? Why do I deserve this, what's been g- given to me, my life? Some of you know some of my story, and I was at a, 
uh, a memorial just yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, and, 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 and it was a sad and tragic end to this man's life. And, and I know there are others in there that, that were there, even his own family, that are wondering, why me? Whether it's why me, why has this happened to me, it's been so difficult, or why not me? Why has that brother struggled with addiction those brothers struggled with addiction their whole lives and we were born in the same family, we were raised under the same roof, why Why me, why? And so maybe even in that, oddly, there's almost like a form of survivor's guilt, of shame. Whatever the reason, why do you look away from Jesus? What is your expression of what about-ism, right? What, what, what leads you to say, yeah, but what about him? What about her? Let, let me tell you that, that God sees you. He recognizes you. He doesn't dismiss you. He doesn't, he doesn't shame you. He doesn't put you in check when you say, what about this or what about that? He doesn't say, oh, you don't know about this person's story or whatever, but he does answer firmly. Look with me in verse 22. Let me remind us even, these are Jesus' last public words According to John, Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus' last words in John and Jesus' words to you in me are, mind your business, follow me. What about this, what about that? Again, Jesus sees you, he understands, but he says, mind your business and follow me. Is that cruel? Is that dismissive? It's okay to acknowledge it might feel that way, it might sound that way, but, but it's not. As we follow along, we'll see that that is not the case in John. Again, the author of this, who's likely an old man now, he's seen most of his friends die and even his own community Unity. His friends are believing myths. They're looking to the left and to the right. They're thinking, oh, uh, he knows that, that, that when he eventually inevitab inevitably dies, that it's going to cause some in his community to potentially be tempted to lose hope. To say, yo, what about? Right? So that's where, pick up with me in verse 23. John says, so the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. John's like, it, it, a rumor started that I'm not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? He's even clarifying there. John's, the author here is communing. Communicating, look, you're even going to be tempted. When, when I die, you're going to be like, well, what about? What about the fact that Jesus said this? Oh, he must not be trustworthy. He must not be a man of his word. His promises must not be such that you can hold on to them and cling to them. and be. You probably shouldn't just follow Jesus. You should probably keep one eye elsewhere just in case. Because John died. And they would be tempted to say, what about, what about, what about? And then John closes the book by saying, 
This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would remain. Okay, John's again saying, I'm the eyewitness. I'm the author. What I'm writing to you, what I'm saying to you, Jesus saying, mind your business and follow me. I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to be tempted to look to the left and to the right and to look everywhere else and to compare yourself to everything and everyone else. John's saying, all that I've written here, I witnessed it. You can trust my testimony, my whole identity. The only reason I write this to you is that Jesus has loved me and that sustained me into my old age. So I've written some of these things, not all of them. All right, what I've written here, Jesus can't be contained in a book, but I've written you some things. And so you might be wondering, well, why did he write the things that he did. Thank you for asking. Look with me at John chapter 20, and this is where we started the whole series and where we're going to end it. In John chapter 20, this is the purpose of the whole book, right? This is the purpose. Some of you have like, you know, headers in your, in, in, in your Bible, and it says the purpose of this book Right, John, this is the purpose of the whole book of John, and I would also submit to you, okay, I, I hope you hear this right now, if you're wondering, what's the whole point of the Bible? What's the whole point of Christianity? This is it. This is the purpose of the whole Bible. It's right here. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Again, the same thing that he just said at the end. There's all kinds of other stuff, all right? This whole book, the book of John, John is saying, listen, don't, don't try to, 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 to see everything that Jesus did. That's not the point here, right? We don't see how what Jesus did when he was, you know, 13 and a half years old and how he navigated lust or right, things like that, right? We might be wondering, oh, what about this? Saying that's not the purpose. I didn't write everything here for you. But, but I wrote enough. And similarly in the Bible, all right, sometimes people try to squeeze in everything. The purpose of the Bible, this isn't an exhaustive truth, right? The, this, it's not, it is exhaustively true. Okay, this is, all truth is God's truth. But you might wonder, like, you can't read about spaceships in here. All right, and, and some people see, oh, see, the Bible, that's not the point. God gives us enough to know him and trust him and follow him. He reveals himself clearly to us. And so John says, I've written these things, verse, 20, verse uh, th 31 of chapter 20, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So let's pause there for a moment. Okay, as we kind of wrap up this time in John, right? 18 months later, we've been walking through John for a long time. What are some of these things? Again, thank you for asking, right? What are some of the themes of John? What are the things that John wants you to remember after 18 months or in their case, like an hour or two as they just would have read this or actually heard it read? 
out loud. Well, let's walk through a few of these things that we have learned in John. We learned in the very beginning in John chapter one that Jesus is from the beginning, right? It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word. Everything that exists did not exist before Jesus, Okay, that's a long way of saying Jesus existed before anything else existed. Everything that exists came through him and from him. He is God. And then we learned that, um, that Jesus is God made visible. He's God among us. He's the incarnation. That's like God with flesh on, right? You know, Spanish Carne, uh, long, long Latin is the Spanish is a is a Latin language, right? God with flesh is Jesus. If you want to know God, if you want to know what how God interacts with people, if you want to know God's mannerisms, right? You want to know how God relates with people who challenge Him. You want to know how God speaks. You want to know how God looks at people. Look at Jesus. He's God in the flesh. And Jesus has all authority given to him from the Father. That though Jesus is God, he's God the Son, he, 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 he humbled himself. And we see that even in Philippians chapter 2, that Jesus humbled himself. And John made a point to explain here that, 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 our, that, 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 that Jesus' authority, he doesn't just demand it. He doesn't say, hey, you should listen to me because I'm smarter than you and more handsome than you and taller than you or this or that or have more money than you would ever know but Jesus constantly said my authority is given to me by the father so listen to me I have all the authority all power but it's given to me by the father and then we also see a fourth theme is that Jesus encounters all types of people throughout John when John chose to write through God's inspiration God leading John what to write he intentionally put all over the place Jesus interacting with different types of people the wealthy the poor the sick the non-religious the religious ethnically Jewish people, ethnically non-Jewish people, people from all different kinds of walks of life. Jesus consistently walks with them, talks with them, interacts with them, affirms them, calls them out, calls them to follow him. Right? He does it lovingly and yet authoritatively. We see that in Jesus all throughout John and then he says here, these, right, he says, there, there are, are, are many other signs in the presence of the disciples. There were also seven signs that John intentionally put all throughout John. Let me remind us of these signs, right? There were seven of them. The first one was Jesus turning water into wine in chapter 2. Then Jesus healing the official son who was dying, in chapter four, Jesus healed a paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda in chapter five. Jesus fed 5, 000, more than 5,000 people in chapter six. Jesus walked on water also in chapter six. Jesus healed a man born blind in chapter nine. And then Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead 
in chapter 11. And as you keep those up there, those seven, remember, because our, our, like church people and all of us, especially I think church people, we're, we're prone to like not focus on the right things. And, 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 and John's point here is the entire book was written to you for a particular purpose. Similarly, all of these signs were written about and done for a particular purpose. Not to be in it, right, like any other sign. If, have any of you driven to San Diego and stopped in El Centro or Holtville and just said, hey, it's good enough, right? I, I saw the sign and it opened up my mind, right? And here we are. We're there. We're, at, we're, we're hanging out in Holtville. I, some of you probably don't even know Holtville. You drive past it. I'm from San Diego. So we actually used to go to Holtville for like supporting events. It smells like poop. It's, you know, it's a farming town. It's in, in, it's not where if you're going to San Diego, Holtville is not the point. All right. But sometimes we treat Christianity. We treat the Bible. We treat Jesus like he's Holtville. Like we stop at the sign and we miss the point that the sign is pointing us somewhere else. Okay, all of these signs were given to point us toward Jesus and what it looks like to follow him, to have a relationship and to live life with him. He uses language of a kingdom, the new kingdom. That's what life would look like under his rule and his reign. And so all of those, he's He's showing you've settled for water and you think that, 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 that God's provision for you has r- r- run out when, when what you've brought has run out. Let me blow your minds by showing you that God will provide far and above what you can even hope to ask or imagine by turning not just some wine, not like bottom shelf wine, like wine that's locked up behind you know cabinets and armed guards because it's the very best. That's what God gives to his children. That's what's in store for you. Okay, that's the kind of sign. That's just one. I'm not gonna walk through each one. And then all those things are pointing toward Jesus Again, entering Jerusalem triumphantly, but then again, blowing people's minds, turning all of our categories on our head that though he is royalty, he came as a servant to die. And then he rose from the dead. And then he brought reconciliation with his followers who turned away from him. He brought restoration and hope. John, the author here, wrote about these things. Why? What's the point? What's the point of Christianity? What's the point of the book of John? What's God saying to you right now? I'm telling you these things so that, verse 31, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Belief In our world, we think, oh, intellectual assent. I believe. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, I I check that box. That's what I believe. No, that's not the kind of belief that's talking about here. Imagine every illustration falls short, okay? So, but imagine a couple of illustrations with me. If you are, are, are drowning in the ocean and someone throws in a life, like a life vest, and you say intellectually, I believe that could keep me from drowning, <laughs> from drowning. That's like, that's not doing anything for you. 
your intellectual, we're told actually in John, even the demons believe and tremble. Okay, some of us don't even tremble. They believe, but, but they don't follow. Or if you are in the desert, we can imagine this one, right? You're in the, de- we're like ocean, what does that even mean, right? Uh, you're in the desert, you're thirsty, you're dying of thirst, and someone says, here is water that will not only save your life, but will quench your every thirst. It is the best water you can fathom. This will keep you alive and fully satisfy you. And you say, oh, I believe that could. Yeah, thanks for the heads up. Thanks for letting me know And you walk on. No, belief is trust that leads to action. It is taking and drinking. As we in a few moments take communion, we're reminded that there's an action. We're reminded when Jesus said, this is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and eat, take and drink. Every week we come and we take and we remember actively trusting, following Jesus. Belief is trust that leads to life. He says that by believing you may have life in his name. Again, look look at me. What causes you to look away from Jesus? My guess is, because this is true for me, that whatever it is, it's where you're looking for life. You're either looking away from Jesus to affirmation, likes, comparison. If I had that, if I had that situation, that relationship, that bank account, that look, that image, right? Whatever it is, that would fulfill me. That would give me life. Or, or it's, 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 it's if I, ha- I have this right now and I look at others, if what happened to them happened to me, I would be devastated. I, I have this relation, I have this family, I have these kids, I finally have this job, I finally have fill in the blank. If this were taken from me, I'd be wrecked. It's looking over there. Oh, if I had that, then I'd be fulfilled. Or looking over there and saying, if I had that situation and I didn't have what I currently have, I'd be devastated. And Jesus says, that's not life. That's fragile. It's futile. It can be taken away. It might not be provided in the way that you think, and even if you have it, it won't fulfill you. But Jesus says, I know you. I see you. I love you. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knows that you can find salvation and reconciliation with God in no one or no thing else. Jesus knows that you can find satisfaction and fulfillment and identity and purpose and hope in no one or nothing else. So Jesus says, mind your business and follow me. So now, church, let's close our eyes. And I'm gonna pray, but as I do, I wanna ask all of us to again, right now consider, Jesus is looking at you. His gaze is set on you. He is 
sovereign enough. He's, he's, what, he's omnipresent, right? He can be everywhere at the same time. And that, that means it's no less personal that he is looking at you. He, he, we're told in Psalm 139, he knows you. He knows every number of hairs on your head, every thought, every fear, every, every moment, every day of your life. He knows you. He formed you. He delights in you. And he's calling you to follow him. Will you respond to him in faith? If you've never put your trust in Jesus, will you simply surrender to him? See that he's loving. See that he's trustworthy. And simply follow him. Um, I'll be in the back with some others and we would love to talk with you, to pray with you or for, for you. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, but like me, you're prone to wander. You're prone to look to the left or to the right. You're prone to, to question his trustworthiness, to, to question whether life will actually be found somewhere else. He never grows weary of simply calling you back to him and reminding you that life is found in him and him alone. So again, Father, we're in your presence right now. We're in your hands. We're before your gaze. Lord, I pray that you lead us individually and corporately to respond in faith and follow you. Amen.